Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Why travel will change how you think about who you are, how you think about who you are think about that one for a second. That's a topic that comes up in today's conversation. Plus, how to create a successful travel vlog, a travel vlog worth watching so you can travel indefinitely. Plus, how to think about work on the road, the challenges of the work travel lifestyle, how to collaborate as a couple or partnership, and so much more. We're digging into it right now in today's show. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so kindly for hanging out, spending a little time here with me today, allowing me the privilege of bringing a little travel into your ears. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. We got beautiful souls like yourself from all over the world listening into this show right now, the Zero to Travel Caravan, the listening community. Thank you for being a part of it. If you're new, welcome, subscribe. You're amongst friends here. And we're talking travel vlogging today. I actually... I'm still torn if I like the word vlog or not. That's something we talk about in today's show. You might be surprised by what one of my guests had to say about that. And we do have Nate and Kara on there, two of the biggest, biggest, (laughs) did you hear that? Biggest with a V, biggest travel vloggers out there. See, that's why I don't like that word travel vlog, because it keeps messing up my other words. I keep wanting to add a V into every other word, and it's really throwing me off anyway. They're huge on YouTube and they've been traveling and doing it for two and a half years and you're going to get to pick their brains today with me and learn all about how they do it, get behind the scenes on that and of course talk plenty of travel, just travel lifestyle stuff, how it is to travel long term, how they've been able to do it and they're very transparent with how they've done it and I just loved chatting with them and I know you're going to enjoy listening in on my conversation with them today. Speaking of listening in on conversations, what's really strange is the more time I spend living here in Norway and learning the language and I've gotten to the point where I can now hear people's conversations around me and understand what they're talking about. It's pretty wacky and it makes the entire experience of living here radically different because before I'd be walking around and most of the time I'm in my own head because if you've traveled to a foreign country and 
you hear foreign languages being spoken around you and you don't know what they're saying, you tend to kind of just take it in as background noise after a while and you can be in your own head a lot, which completely changes the experience on the ground. And now I just hear people having everyday conversations. Hey, listen, I'm not eavesdropping on everybody, okay? I promise. But it's really hard not to when you're speaking a language and when you're learning a language because that's how you can soak it in. You can learn more by listening in and hearing how people say sentences and how they use certain words. And that's why I love the Pimsleur audio courses. If you haven't heard about it, it's P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R. They've been around for decades. And if you go to zerototravel.com slash easy, we're going to hook you up with a free seven-day trial to their monthly subscription service if you're based in the States or a free lesson if you're out of the United States. And this is the best way to learn a language on the go. If you're listening to this now, you like podcasts, you love consuming audio, I'm sure. I am nuts for that. I'm obsessed with audio and I love that I can listen and learn on the go. And this is the best way to do it. This is the same language learning method used by the State Department and the FBI organizations like that. It's no joke. And I'm telling you, when you learn some of the local language and you go to a foreign country, and now you can speak some of that language, it completely changes the experience for the better. You're more immersed, you're able to engage locals on their level using their language, and nothing impresses people more in that way, I've found, where at least in Norway, people are very impressed when I speak Norwegian, not because, oh, he's so smart, he's speaking Norwegian, but they're impressed that you were making an effort to speak their language, because most people come here and they just speak English because they know everybody here speaks awesome English and they don't have to try. So they really appreciate that. And I found in other countries, anytime I engage in the local language, even if you're messing up or not doing the greatest job, people appreciate that. They really do. And it can open doors literally and figuratively. So again, go to zerototravel.com slash easy. And with that monthly subscription, it sounds like a boring thing. Oh, monthly subscription, but it's not because you get access to all of the lessons in any language you want to learn, which would cost hundreds of dollars in the past, but now they've done it for one low monthly rate, just like Netflix or something like that, where you pay one low monthly fee and then you get access to all this content. And if you're learning a language, that's huge because when you get on a roll, you want to keep learning, you want to keep going. And once you develop that habit and add it into your repertoire, your daily listening routine. It's amazing how quickly you can pick up a language and you start speaking right away. So if you go through that link, you'll also be supporting this show. And thanks again to Pimsler for hooking up the Zero to Travel Caravan. Thank you so much. Now, quick shout out before we get into today's interview. I got an email just about an hour ago, actually, from Jeannie. She said... I love your work, all of your podcasts. Thanks for continuing to stoke my travel fires. I'm looking to take an early retirement at the end of this year and do more long-term travel with my hubby while building a vlog slash blog to supplement the funds and make them stretch so we can keep going. Something I've heard very little about is tax-deductible expenses. I explained to my tax consultant that I have a travel vlog. Are all of my travel expenses now at a tax deduction? Well, I'm not going to answer that question today because I'm going to give the same boring answer everybody else does, but it's the truth. I am not a tax professional. You can't ask me that question. I'm not a tax professional. I'm sorry, Jeannie. You need to consult a tax professional. I know it's the most boring, unsatisfying answer to that question. I'm so sorry, but I did want to read that just to say thanks for writing. And also, hey, you're starting a vlog. Well, here you go. This is the episode for you. We're going to get into that right now. I'm plenty more with Nate and Kara. Thanks for being here, and I will see you on the other side, my friends.
My guest today left home two and a half years ago to travel full-time and film it all. Their award-winning vlog now has nearly a quarter million subscribers on YouTube, and their videos have been viewed over 30 million times. You can follow their adventures at karaandnate.com. Today, we're going to talk full-time travel, how to create a vlog worth watching, and a ton more. Kara and Nate, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Thank you for thank having you for us, having and us. thanks for the great intro. All right, so you guys are in Italy right now, and I could tell because I'm looking at a brick exposed brick wall. That's how I could tell. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what part of Italy are you in? We are in a small town called Ripa Transone, and it's in the region of La Marche. We have uh, two friends that live here. We came here last summer, completely fell in love with the place, and now in less than a week, we are actually hosting four weeks of Vespa tours. So we're bringing 45 people from all over the world to come here, jump on Vespas, and just explore this region for a month. How did that materialize? It, it was one of those like crazy ideas that eventually turned into reality. So we were here, we were staying with our friends, fell in love with the region, thought it would be fun to bring some friends back. We could all jump on Vespas and go explore. And then that idea just kind of continued to snowball. I sent an email out to our email list asking if anybody would be interested in coming. We got a great response. So we opened up a trip that sold out in less than 30 minutes. And so Whoa. now here we are. We, we have four four weeks of tours um, coming to join us here in less than a week. We've never done anything like this before. So we're super nervous, super excited, but we think it's going to be great. I have a feeling that sentence, we've never done anything like this before, is going to come up in this interview because, I mean, it's so exciting <laughs> what you guys have built with the vlog and, and everything, and we're going to get into that. But this Vespa tour thing is the perfect example of something that only happens after you take the trip and go into this stuff, right? Like, you guys never could have predicted that two and a half years later, you'd be running a Vespa tour in Italy. <laughs> Absolutely not. We couldn't have predicted half the things that are <laughs> happening this year. We just look at each other all the time and we're like, is this our real life right now? <laughs> life is crazy right now. Where were you guys born? Nashville, Tennessee. Both of us. Both of you? So where did you meet? We actually went to high school together. Our first date was our high school prom. Whoa. So our high school <laughs> Hold on. My mind's getting blown right now. Are you guys <laughs> high school sweethearts? We are. Yes. What a sweet thing. Which prom did you go to together? So Kara's actually two years younger than I am. So it was my senior prom and her sophomore prom. Okay. Hey, there you go. So we, we always thought that when I went to college, since she was two years younger than me, things would just kind of like fall apart. And then it just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, I followed him to college and now we're married. Well, yeah. Home. What happened there? How did you, did you just do a long distance relationship type of thing? Or were you going to college nearby? Yeah, no, it was, well, it was about a three hour drive from our hometown and I really never visited. I think <laughs> I went like twice. So it was her mom like wasn't, real... her mom wasn't a big fan of her coming to visit a college student, <laughs> well, understandably. Yeah. Well, it, I was super social, busy person in our hometown <laughs> and like, we just didn't put a ton of pressure on our relationship because we kind of thought, like Nate said, that it wouldn't really work on distance and then it just did. And then by the time... By the time I got to college, it seemed like no time, and then it was easy. We went from seeing each other a few times a month to now spending 24 hours a day of our entire life together. Every second together. 
We're making up for that long distance. That's right. <laughs> so tell me how Nate charmed you on the first date. There has to be some some story in this prom situation. Oh yeah, it's actually a funny story. <laughs> so we were. Did we he pull were, up in a limo and roll the window down <laughs> and start? I don't know, playing some. Peter Gabriel with his boombox over his head or something, or <laughs> I think we were both at the beach with separate friend groups yeah. on spring break before prom, and I like wrote prom question mark in the sand. It was very original. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. So I mean, obviously it did work, and and you guys are still together now. Did you find that the long distance thing strengthened your relationship? Because I've had long distance relationships, including with my now wife. And there is something that happens when you when you only communicate over the phone or I guess I would say Skype or whatever. And yeah, it just, I don't know, you take away the physical part and it does kind of strengthen other parts of the relationship, I suppose. Do you find that to be true? You're totally right. I think we got to know each other extremely well those first two years when I was in college, because I think like a lot of times when you're together, then there's, you know, there could be a distraction like a TV or just like you're, you're doing some other activity, but we probably talked for an hour every night on the phone. And so you get to know a lot about each other. I don't even think I had Skype. I didn't even have a laptop in 2007 (laughs) when we first started dating. So yeah, we were talking on my flip phone every night and I think one of the biggest things is it would have been really easy to break up because we never saw each other. And so we were kind of really being intentional, still keeping our relationship going. And it was worth it, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to put in the effort. So there, there is something to that as well. It does suck when you get into fights, though, in a long distance relationship and you're on the phone or on Skype. It's so awkward because you can't just <laughs> hug the person or kind of reach over and give them a little pat or do a little goofy flirty thing. You're just yeah. you're kind of stuck in this no man's land, no conversation. But anyway, we'll have to get into couples fights later on. Yes, this is going to be that kind of <laughs> podcast. <laughs> now, well, you guys been in high school and I don't I wonder if during that time you talked about traveling as part of your future. I don't think many people in high school and even high school sweethearts are not talking about their future that much, but is, is it something you guys ever did together? Did you go on camping trips? Did you do any types type of travel like that? We both grew to love travel together. Neither one of us did very much international travel at all before we got married. And then as soon as we got married, I kind of got into the hobby of travel hacking Um, So like earning miles and points. And so that kind of gave us the means to start traveling. And that's what kind of set us on this journey. We started doing several international trips a year, thanks to thanks to points and our flexible schedule. And then we would meet people who were traveling long term. And so it just kind of the more people we met that were doing it, it seemed like more and more of a possibility down the road for us. But we never traveled in college. (laughs) I had no interest in it really. I mean, we would go camping occasionally and to the beach, you know, for a week on spring break. But other than that, I just, I don't know. It's not something that ever crossed my mind. So it makes our life now even crazier. Like when I really step back and think about what we're doing compared to how I grew up. Yeah. Because I was the same way in college, and what what was I doing with all that time? <laughs> you know, I felt like I could have been done. I mean, did some road trips and things like that, but nothing too crazy. And you guys started planning together around the time you got married, when you were starting to plan your lives together and figuring out, okay, what are what are we going to do? Was that right? And you, and you started traveling together. What was the first trip? Like our first international trip together was our honeymoon. <laughs> 
And we kind of laugh and say that that sparked our travel bug because we went to this beautiful island in Belize, had a great time, and we actually messed up our flight booking. We booked our flight a day later than we were supposed to to get home. So we get kicked off this island on our honeymoon, and we have this day on this random coastal town where there wasn't a lot going on. And it ended up being one of our favorite days of our honeymoon because we just had to figure it out. Like we we got off the boat and just started walking to this random hotel. And there, there ended up being this lobster festival on the beach. And like that memory is probably what sticks out to me the most out of our entire luxurious island resort <laughs> week together. That was the most fun. And so I think that's when we really decided like, oh, traveling's really fun. And that's when Nate really discovered travel hacking and it just totally got out of hand from there. <laughs> it got out of hand in a good way. Is there anything better than a random walk when you don't know where you're going <laughs> and, and then a random event that you end up at or bar or something? It's definitely one of my favorite. It's those small travel experiences that really are the best. And you guys came from the city of Nashville. Did you grow up in the suburbs or... The, the suburbs, about 25 minutes northeast in a town called Hendersonville. It's where it's where Taylor Swift grew up. That's our, our claim to fame. <laughs> okay, so, you know, because I grew up in the American suburbs, too. So when I think of that, I think of more of the status quo type of lifestyle, right? Do you Did you have support from your family and friends when you started traveling more and kind of living this type of lifestyle? At least on the surface level, we did. I, I think both of our families are very supportive. I think my mom probably loves travel as much as I do. And so she was extremely supportive. Uh, Kara's mom would ask if we were sick of traveling every time she called home for the first <laughs> little while. Um, Just to see if you were getting it out of your system somehow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When we first started taking a bunch of international trips, like we'd go on three or four a year when we first got married, which where we live, most people go on one vacation on their two week time off of work. And so it was kind of crazy that we were living like that, but people thought it was really cool. But then when we decided to travel full time, I think that's when people really thought we were crazy, <laughs> um, but not in a bad way. Like we've had nothing but support from our family and friends, but I think people thought it was kind of risky and like, why would you want to do that kind of thing? And now that we've been doing it for two and a half years, I think people realize that it really is what we're passionate about and we're making it work. When did you guys make the decision to travel full time? Because that's that's a bigger leap, I would say, than what you were doing before. And I do want to find out what you were doing and how you saved up money for that and everything. But uh, when did you make that decision? So it was at the beginning of 2015 is when we made the decision that we wanted to go travel full time. At that point, we had probably visited about 10 countries uh, just sporadically on different trips. And like I said, we had met a lot of people who were traveling long term. It was something we talked about. We had been married for about two years at that point, And we realized there was never going to be an easier time than this current phase of life that we were in. We didn't own a home. We rented an apartment. So like we could get out of that pretty easily. We didn't have any children. Our careers were only going to like continue to get more important to us. And so like that time in our lives was going to be the easiest time to step away. So 
at about the beginning of 2015, one night at Dairy Queen over blizzards, for some reason we were having this conversation. Where all about, good decisions should be made, by the exactly, way. Exactly. <laughs> uh, about traveling long term. And we just said, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to commit to it right now. And then we started telling people. Just and for I, one year. And I think once you start telling people, that's when it becomes real because there's this like social pressure that kind of holds you to that decision. When you guys were over the blizzards, was there that buzz or that excitement? Uh, it was that much of a moment where you were just that this is this is really happening. For sure, that I was like yeah, I got, I got was, a little goosebumps there too. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you because not everybody can narrow it down into one moment. Sometimes it's a little bit of a a process that is it's a decision made very slowly over time. Whereas it sounds like I mean it was stewing, but then you guys can pinpoint this one moment. For sure. It was a definite moment. And we were before that, like super nerdy, always watching travel documentaries, listening to travel podcasts. Like we were just constantly dreaming about this and listening to people and watching people who are doing it. So to us, it wasn't that crazy of a decision. Like it was just kind of like, when are we going to do it? And when we said we were going to do it for one year, like we thought that was going to be like the coolest and about halfway through that first year we're like there's no way we're gonna stop that for one year <laughs> so well, it's definitely turned into something even better than we thought it was gonna be that one year was not enough <laughs> what were you doing before you decided to travel full-time because you said you guys were working part-time jobs where you had the flexibility to travel in between what were you doing so I was, I had graduated with my early childhood education degree and taught preschool for a year. And then I was a full-time nanny for a family who also went on several trips a year. And so we would kind of plan our travels when they were traveling. So it was super easy for us to leave when they weren't home because I wasn't working. <laughs> and I owned a printing company called Peanut Butter Printing. So we did like promotional products for businesses and it had a social giving model attached to it. There were these peanut butter packs that we'd send overseas to uh, to feed kids. But so since I own my own company, we I could kind of like tailor my schedule to her time off to be able to go travel. Are you still running that company? No, uh, I was still part of it for the first year that we were traveling full time. Uh, as soon as I left, my brother came in. He had been working with me for about a year before. And so I handed over the reins to him when we left. And then after the first year, uh, sold the rest of my portion of the company to him. And so now he's still running it full time. Nice. That's gutsy, too, to start a business right out of college. Not something that everybody does. But it sounds like you enjoy business as well. I, I studied business and entrepreneurship uh, in college. That's kind of been my passion since a young age. <laughs> what do you think about that, uh, actually, before we move on? Because there's always some debate around, oh, is college worth the expense, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur? And it's hard to... It would be hard for me to take out the college experience from my life and say, okay, everything would have been the same because you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. But because you had this experience of starting a business right out of college. What would you say to somebody that was in high school that wants to be an entrepreneur and is considering taking entrepreneurship in college or maybe starting a business? That is really tough. I mean, for me, I always felt like college was a little bit of a fallback plan. Like I always knew I wanted to start my own company, but if things went wrong, then I had a college degree um, that that I could fall back on. I, I definitely don't think it's necessary, but I know for me, it was probably more of a maturing process than anything. Like, I don't think I had enough maturity at the age of 18 to go like be able to start something that really mattered. 
Um, but yeah, I kind of needed those four years in college to kind of figure out what I wanted that to be. And the people that you got to surround yourself with throughout college, like all the entrepreneurs, I felt like were a little inspiring or I don't know, at least you could kind of see what that life yeah, turned you, into. You get exposed to a lot. And I actually ended up um, going straight through undergrad and getting my MBA, which I never had any, um, I, I wasn't planning on doing that. But the opportunity presented itself. I got a, a fellowship and it was going to be at the University of Tennessee, which is where Kara was. was and so it was a good opportunity to, to stay in Knoxville with Kara. And so I went straight through and got my MBA. And I think the biggest thing that I learned from that is that you shouldn't be intimidated of people with MBAs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys have done a great job of making sure you're where each other is after you did that long distance thing, which is why now you're married and traveling the world, I guess. That's what it takes. Uh, we can get some advice on couples travel a little bit later. That's something I'll have to uh, earmark and add to the list. Uh, before we get into the vlogging thing, I want to ask you guys about how to save money for travel and how you did that when you decide you were going to travel full time, were you really intentional about a certain amount that you wanted to save? You set up separate bank accounts. What type of advice would you give around that? So we weren't super intentional as far as like, we have to save this much money every month or we need exactly this much before we leave. I've always just been an extremely frugal person and don't like unnecessary expenses. And I've always saved as much money as possible and I'm the opposite. <laughs> so really? it was it was more it was more of me kind of like reining Kara's spending in that year. Yeah. Um, but we saved up about thirty thousand dollars before we left to go travel full time. Like that was what we felt comfortable leaving with. And so I think you know before we decided to go travel full time, we had a little bit of money in savings, and then we got more serious about not buying new things. Mm -hmm for that, that year leading up to it. Because when you know that you're either going to sell everything or you're going to put things in storage and all yeah. you have is a carry on bag, then there's really a lot less motivation to go buy new things. Yeah. We really didn't make any crazy life changes that year that we were saving up. It was just little things that like, I would literally want to buy something and they would say, we can buy this here now, or we can buy this somewhere in another country <laughs> next year. And just little things like that that we would just keep reminding ourselves, like, we don't need this. Well, and I, I think at like our stage in life, at, at that time, a lot of our friends were saving up to buy a house. And so, you know, I mean, we were kind of saving just trying to be responsible humans. And instead of spending that $30,000 on a down payment on a house, we decided to take that and, and go travel. It does make you kind of reassess your stuff, right? I'm using air quotes in the stuff because you come back to the storage unit and it's like, well, why do we have this stuff? And I mean, some of it's pictures and everything like that. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It, it gives a lot of perspective, I think, on, on ownership of property and things. Yeah, have you found that to be true? Yeah. So we've gone home back to Nashville four times since we started traveling. And each time has been for somewhere around a, a month or two. And so it's plenty of time that we could go over to our storage unit, get stuff out of it, use it for that amount of time that we're home and then leave again. But we end up, I don't think we've touched any, maybe three or four items in the storage unit, but like we never, we never go back to get stuff. We're thinking we'll just have a big garage sale when we go home. <laughs> just open the doors and tell people to come take it. Yeah. It's odd to see it after 
so many years. At least it was for me. Let's talk about this vlog, this little vlog you guys have. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, Kara, are you still? Are you, do you still hate the word vlog? No, it's grown up <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I watched some of the old ones. <laughs> I uh, I was with you though. I agree. I, I don't like the word vlog. It's kind of I don't know. I vlog. It's super weird. <laughs> <laughs> have you come around? I suppose you have at this point. Yeah, yeah. Since it's kind of our job now, I've kind of forced myself to like it. <laughs> I love it. Explain what vlogging is, just in case somebody is listening and they've been living under a rock somewhere, <laughs> haven't turned on the internet lately. We basically film our life pretty much every day and put it on YouTube and call it a vlog. Yeah, it's like a video diary. Yeah, video blog. What made you decide to, to start it? That is a funny question. Do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> I want the real version. I, I want the real why, because I'm sure there was, was there any debate at all? Because putting yourself out there in that way and also committing to that amount of work is not a small thing. Yeah. So we'll, we'll step back to how we got into video and then we'll move into how we decided to start the vlog. So before we left, about a year before we left to go travel, we bought this really nice camera. And at that time, one of our friends was a wedding planner and she had a bride who needed her wedding filmed, but she didn't have a budget of enough to hire a real wedding videographer. And our friend knew that we had just bought a camera. So she was like, hey, do you want to film this girl's wedding? And like my entrepreneurial go get her personality made me say yes to that question without telling me. And then about 48 hours before we were supposed to film this girl's wedding, I realized I had made a huge mistake. And so like. For the next two days, we just watched YouTube videos of how to film a wedding, showed up at the wedding with one camera and one microphone. Which is totally stressful because it's somebody's wedding. Yes, <laughs> That's a stranger's wedding. So I was so <laughs> mad at Nate for saying yes. We didn't even have the camera in our possession yet when he said yes. We had never touched a DSLR. I never used it. I never edited a video. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're literally on the way to the wedding Googling how to film a wedding and got there, turned on the camera, did not turn it off the entire day. And then I spent the entire summer learning how to edit this girl's video because I was terrified that she was going to cry. And it ended up okay. So, ended up so right. we left the camera nice. on all day. So we captured all of the moments and we did have a nice camera. So it, it, it looked, looked good. good. And then after three months of editing one single video... <laughs> So at that point, it was like all of our friends were starting to get married, too. And since that video turned out, OK, other people started asking us if we would film their wedding because we were super cheap. Um, and so yeah, no by the time we left to go travel, we had filmed, I think, five weddings. So that's kind of how we got into the video aspect of stuff. We just randomly fell into it. No formal training. A crash course in, uh, exactly. in video. <laughs> Which now, looking back, I'm so glad Nate said yes, because I never would have... Learned, yeah, how to use a camera or edit video. Um, so we're really thankful for that experience. But still, we had never been on the camera or made anything in the vlogging format. But just a few months before we left, Nate did this crazy mileage run, like a two week uh, around the world. How many times? I flew back and forth from Sao Paulo, Brazil to Hong Kong uh, three times in a row. So it was it took 15 nights and 14 of those 15 nights I slept on airplanes. And it was crazy. So Wait I, a I had to, <laughs> uh, how much were those tickets? Why did you <laughs> tell me why you did that? So they were, they were business class tickets with American airlines 
and they it was a mistake there and I got them for seven hundred dollars a piece. So the total price was you booked it three times two thousand one hundred dollars for the tickets, and I earned over three hundred thousand American Airline miles. Uh, for the mileage run, I earned executive platinum status, which I knew we were about to go travel for a year. And Just so from that flying. Came really handy. And so, yeah, I think all I think the miles were probably worth four thousand five hundred dollars to me if you value American Airlines miles at one point five cents a piece. And then the executive platinum status. Uh, and plus, I got to fly business class around the world for two weeks. So it was fantastic. That's hilarious. I mean, did you stop and see anything? It sounds like you were just on the plane pretty much the whole time. <laughs> no, so I didn't. Funny. I, I awesome. did not. Leave, I didn't leave an airport. No, I did. I take that back. One night around Hong Kong. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's. Uh, I mean, what was that experience like? <laughs> did you? Were you must have been chatting with people on the plane, telling them what you were doing, and were you getting funny reactions? It was actually so funny. really funny because I, this one family was flying on vacation from Sao Paulo to Hong Kong, and I was on their flight where they were flying <laughs> to their vacation, and then we ended up on the same flight a week later when they were returning home from their vacation. And so they they asked me, like, oh, we were leaving Hong Kong, and, and I was like, I've actually been back and forth to Sao Paulo since I saw you last, and their minds were just blown. <laughs> Yeah, the flight attendant started recognizing me by the end of it. It was it was just one big blur, pretty much. Yeah, but then you used all those miles and that status to enhance your experience the next year, right? We really did. We yeah. took really good advantage of that status. But so, kind of like coming back to getting into the vlogging thing, the this played a, a oh, an, yeah, an, an integral part because I, I was bored for two weeks, and so I was watching YouTube videos, and I found Casey Neistat who is probably the most popular vlogger on YouTube. And we had no idea who he was. His, his videos were the first videos that, for some reason, like really entertained me. So I returned home two weeks later, and I've watched you know, 30 of his videos, and I feel like I know the guy. And I was like, you are so weird. And I'm like, Karen, we have to watch this. Person? And she's wondering why I'm watching this random guy. Uh, but finally, she came around to it. By, you know, a week later, she was hooked on watching his vlogs as well. And so that's kind of like what sparked the idea. At that point, we knew we were going to travel full time in a few months. Um, and so, but that's kind of like got what got the wheels turning that maybe that's how we should document our yeah. trip was in vlog style. We had a lot of ideas. We thought we wanted to do a documentary. I mean, we didn't know how, but <laughs> our friends had just made one and they didn't know what they were doing either. So we we're like, oh yeah, we can make a documentary. And so we had been watching some and like literally taking notes on how to film cool travel shots <laughs> like on Friday nights when we were trying to save money. And it just never, we were never really excited about it. And then I still wasn't excited about vlogging until we finally left. And our first travel day, Nate actually edited it. And as soon as we got to Tokyo, we went from Nashville to Tokyo. He started editing. And the next day, we had this video of our day. And he showed it to me. And I was immediately just amazed. Like, it's so cool getting to watch, like, something that you just did in a totally new way. And so I was like, okay, I think I could get into this. And I was still finishing up a wedding video that we had done the week before. So Nate did the whole first week. We still weren't totally committed to the daily vlog. We were just trying it out. And really fell in love with it. I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but now I can't imagine doing it any other way. 
I love that approach, Kara. You just sound so open-minded with it, kind of like, hey, let me just see what this experience is like. And if this feels right, we're going to do it. And obviously, it's, it's felt right for you guys. And what a wonderful thing to look back on that you have all of these videos from your travel uh, travels. As you know, though, there's not a, a magical camera floating around and doing all the sound and capturing all the video. This takes a lot of work. So before we get into the, some of the technical questions I have and, and the how-tos, I do want to ask you a bit about the lifestyle. And I want to start with some of the good stuff first, because you guys are making a pretty good living right now as, as of pretty recently too, it seems like, because I was looking at some of your income reports that you publish on your blog and sounds like things are really picking up with YouTube ad revenue and all that good stuff. And I'm sure you don't mind talking about this stuff because you publish it on your blog, but just to give people an idea of what's possible, do you want to share a little bit from... And we're talking about two and a half years of serious work here. But do you want to share a little bit about what, what's happening for you guys right now in terms of the income stuff? And, and just kind of give a general range and being in the community of what somebody that is listening to this that might be interested in vlogging or starting something like this one day. What are some of the common things to expect in terms of income potential and revenue and all that type of stuff? So first, I think like we need to keep in mind that it took two years for us to hit 100,000 subscribers, and then it took us four months to get to 200,000 subscribers. So, and like, five weddings, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so we're, we're on like this crazy growth curve, like we were saying earlier, like we just look at each other and we feel like, I can't believe this is our life right now. But so going back to the beginning, because I have tracked our income since six months into vlogging. That's when we decided that we weren't ready to quit traveling and we wanted to try to turn this into a business that could fund our travels. And so I started tracking our expenses and our income. And the first year we made $10,000 uh, from the vlog. And for some reason, we decided that maybe we could afford to go a second year. Like looking back, I'm still not sure what made me make that decision. Uh, oh yeah, we got this. <laughs> yeah, there was some very- But it felt right. I mean, was there some intuitive thing there? So I think, I think what truly happened is uh, probably eight months in, we started a Patreon page, which for those of people who aren't familiar with Patreon, it's basically a platform that lets people support creators. So we had people committing one, two or three dollars for every video that we posted. And at that point, we were trying to travel on a budget of seventy five dollars a day. And maybe by the end of the year, we were getting $30 from people on Patreon every time we published a video, which at that time we were shooting for every day. And my, I think my thought was that if it ever came down to it, I think there's at least 75 people who would give us $1 for every video. Like if we ever got to this point where we were like actually going to run out of money and have to stop the vlog, I thought maybe 75 people enjoyed it enough to give us a dollar. So, so that kind of gave us the confidence to keep going. And then the second year, I think I've looked back at this recently, I think we made $51,000 in total the second year. And then all I've done so far for our income and expense reports, I do them quarterly. Um, in the first quarter of 2018, if I'm remembering correctly, we made $36,000. And it, this is this is all like revenue and not, uh, not counting. Is that expenses. ad revenue from YouTube? So our revenue comes from several different sources. So from the beginning, my theory was that we were never going to be able to make enough money in ad revenue to support traveling full time. So we were trying to build multiple income streams. 
And the big ones for us so far have been YouTube ad revenue, uh, Patreon, as I mentioned. And then we I created a travel hacking course pretty, I guess, last year. And then Kara's recently released her course on how to edit a video and then also affiliate income. And those four things so far have been the different revenue sources that we've really uh, relied on consistently as we've traveled. And now we have the the Vespa tour that we're kind of throwing in there this year. Nice. And the course, the money's coming from the courses. You got the YouTube ad revenue. And what was the third one you mentioned? Affiliate links. And Patreon. And Patreon. Oh, and Patreon. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Patreon and what advice you would have for other creators that want to use Patreon. Would you recommend it? Do you think it's a good tool? I think, especially for us, it was extremely important in the beginning. Like I said, I think that gave us the the confidence to keep going. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have to try to go do other things to make money. It gave us the opportunity to be able to have the time focus on making videos and traveling. It, it can be a little weird at first to kind of ask people for money. And we were actually pretty terrified to start it. Yeah. Like really looking back, like we didn't want to have to rely on people giving us money. And I remember having a really long conversation on a hike one time because we didn't want people to think that we were only YouTubing for the money. Like we really loved traveling and we really loved making YouTube videos but there just wasn't any way that we were going to be able to keep going without something else. And so we were just kind of trying to figure out what that was, which is kind of how we've done with all of our decision making the last couple of years. It's just, we just kind of figure it out. There's never a, you know, exact right answer for anything. And it, you just kind of have to find what works for you. But we decided that we really were putting in the hours and the work. And if people wanted to support us, they could, but we weren't going to really, really push it. So we we created one because people were actually sending us emails saying, like, we want to support you. Do you have a Patreon? I can't find it. Or do you have a PayPal account? I can't find it. And we want to you know help you keep going. And so that's kind of what really finally got me to agree to do it. But I think one of the things that we did right, I mean, maybe by accident from the beginning, was we never like sat down and filmed a video that said, please support us. Cause I've seen some people do that and that you get a lot of backlash, whether, whether for the right or wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, but we have always just had it on a page on our website that says, keep us on the road. And so, and like we link to it in the description, but we've never come straight out and just ask for people to support us. And so we've done it in a passive way. That way, if somebody finds it and they want to support us, great, but we don't want to like make people feel mm-hmm. guilty who can't support us. And I yeah. think that's how people feel that makes them kind of like lash out when a YouTuber makes a video that says, please support me on Patreon. Yeah, That's news to me because I'm not really that familiar with the vlogging world and what the sort of etiquette is, I guess. And that's something else to figure out when you're, when you're starting into any new medium. Uh, as far as the lifestyle a video, in my experience takes an incredible amount of time. How much time do you guys spend working on these videos? How do you do this? So Kara edits uh, 100% of our videos, so I'll let yeah. her talk about that. Yeah, we've we've really we're really set in our roles now. We've kind of figured out what I'm supposed to do and what Nate's supposed to do. We were just recently talking how I don't know how people do it on their own without like hiring somebody because I don't do any planning. I mean, I don't do any of our finances. Like Nate does all of that stuff, emails, and I just do 
the editing. Nate normally is the one with the camera in his hand majority of the day. Um, and then I put it together. I think I probably average eight hours for one video. At least. Yeah, at least. It depends on how much we do and what we're doing. Some take way longer than others. Some I can knock out in four or five and some take 10. So probably average of eight. And is it daily or is it five days a week? Where are you guys at? With <laughs> that, that, that's a great question. And I think our subscribers would ask the same thing. <laughs> so the first two years we did, we shot for daily and that probably turned into five days a week mm-hmm. on average. And then at the end of last year, we've cut back and our goal now is every other day. Mm-hmm. So we, our problem is we end up filming most days because we're traveling and everything we do, we're like, oh, we can't skip this on the vlog. We have to film this. So there's been so many times where we're like, we're not going to film today. And then we end up somewhere and we're like, okay, get the camera. We're going to film. And, but then we don't ever take days off. And so we just kind of get behind and. So right now, <laughs> so right now our videos are probably six weeks behind our, our real life. Yeah. So we've kind of fallen into a schedule where we travel for about six months, get really behind on editing and posting and then we'll go home for a month or two and not film anything mm-hmm. and i'll just edit during the day and then we'll see friends and family at night gives us okay. time to catch so up. you have gotten to get home and see people and catch up on work yeah, yeah. exactly That's so nice. but for us i would say that we rarely have a normal day but if we did have a normal day it would look like waking up around eight o'clock working until lunchtime and then we, we like to focus on food a lot in our videos. So usually go out and like try to find a local delicacy or something to try. And then so lunch and then have a big activity for the afternoon, depending on where we are, that could be totally different. And then maybe dinner. And then that kind of like wraps up the day. And after dinner, we're back working for another four to six hours. Do you ever feel dissatisfied with the travel experience because you feel like you have to capture it and you're trying to balance this idea of okay, I want to serve this audience. People are enjoying these things. We also, it, it's just this, this creator's dilemma, I suppose. How do you guys manage that? So when we first left to travel full time and do the vlogging thing, that was one of my fears. I didn't want to travel and be so worried about filming it and editing all the time and not enjoy the actual traveling part especially since we were only planning on traveling for a year. It was like our one chance to see the world. We wanted to see as much as possible. And I didn't want anything to hold us back or take away any of our joy. And then in the first six months, there were some times where I wondered if it was worth it. Um, We were spending a ton of time on our computers. But when we decided that we wanted to make this more of a long-term thing, it really changed for me because it was enabling us to travel and it wasn't just holding us back from traveling. And now even more so I enjoy our work days so much because they're just like rest days for us. Like going out and traveling is super fun and having a camera really, I think gives us more energy because it makes us do things that we might skip otherwise because like, oh, we probably wouldn't eat this really gross. <laughs> Gives you a little mission, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really does. Not that traveling is not fun without a camera, but now that we've been doing it for so long, it's almost a fun challenge to say, like, how can we make this day a good story and interesting for people to watch who might not ever see this place? I like I like having a purpose every day. And that purpose is to go out and, like, make a really good video. And then on top of that, there are definitely, like, evenings 
or afternoons where we're in our hotel room or our Airbnb or wherever we are and we're tired and we're like, oh, we just want to like sit and relax. But we're like, we don't have enough content for today's video. So we need to go out and do something. And I don't think once we've gone out and done something and then regretted it. Yes. You know, we're always glad that, you know, the vlog kind of pushed us to go out and do a little bit more. It's a good mindset shift too, like you said, to look at it as enabling you to travel as opposed to holding you back. And that's certainly something that can change the way you think about about it on a daily basis. But it's uh, it's not easy to balance that work-life stuff. And I mean, even mentioned earlier, Kara, just being on a hike and you're like, oh, we're on a hike and we were talking about this thing. And that's that tends to be what happens when couples work together, I think, or even friends that are traveling or whatever, is there sometimes is no separation because it's always a topic of conversation that can come up and it's so intertwined with your life. Do you guys try to make separate times, either as a couple to go out on a date and not take videos or anything like that, or on, on an experience? Or do you ever try to do that? Or is it just impossible at this point? Are you too excited about the vlog? I would say it's it's pretty much impossible for us at this point. But I will say our anniversary was a couple weeks ago. Happy and anniversary. So- <laughs> so instead of going and doing something exciting, we laid in bed and watched Netflix and ate junk food. So that was like our anniversary celebration. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's great. Well, I have some questions about technical aspects and logistics of all this stuff. And I was wondering if I could get into that with you guys so we can hear a little bit about your process. And since you have so much experience, you've made so many videos and been doing this for so long, particularly travel videos. I want to hit on some of the core topics that I think people wonder about when it comes to vlogging and some of the technical aspects. And first of all, planning the shoot and and developing that story that keeps it interesting and, and creates a video that is worth watching, as I mentioned at the top. How do you guys approach the the day's video when you're creating a vlog? Do you have some kind of rough itinerary and, and a little idea of a story that you can weave through? Do you sort of map things out a little bit? I'm sure there's obviously some kind of organic piece to this as well as things come up and you you know you meet the random guy in the street that comes in the middle of your shot and says something weird that you could never plan for those types of things but what what things do you plan for so i'll say in in the beginning we were just taking the camera and we were just filming everything Everything. we would just like go out wander around and whatever happened that's what happened and some videos were good and then other videos were just like a random (laughs) mess uh and so we have kind of learned over the last couple years that it's usually good to kind of have like one central storyline in a video and so normally because we're always on the road and traveling we usually try to pick like one big activity or one like you know, if it's a super interesting meal, then the vlog will kind of revolve around that or it's traveling from point A to point B. And that's a story in itself. Um, but we usually do try to have like one storyline in a video. And that usually um, revolves around what we want to name the video, mm-hmm. because that's one of the things that I think we've done a pretty good job at from almost the beginning is, you know, knowing that people are going to search for certain things and travel destinations and try to be the ones that are showing up for that. Yeah. Storytelling is something that we've really had to work on. Like Nate said at the beginning, it was just a big mess and we didn't really transition and we just kind of show up somewhere. And now throughout the day, like more now than ever, we kind of like we said before, like the challenge of like, okay, how are we going to get from this restaurant to the square that we're going to? And so we kind of talk about it and we don't plan every single shot, but 
we like to throughout the day put some effort into making it interesting. Like I think that's something we've had a lot more fun doing recently that we used to never do. And when it comes to like actually talking, since there's two of us, we really don't like to watch people who are talking over each other. And so I'll kind of be like, I'm going to talk about this and then you talk about that. But we don't, you know, like write scripts and then read them. We just kind of decide the topics and then film it. And we kind of know what needs to be said and we yeah. split it up between ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And you know each other so well and you've been traveling so long together. I'm sure you just... It just works, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, just to pull out the the big tip there, and this is huge for anybody who's interested in this. Starting with the title and the keyword is a phenomenal idea because if people can't find your videos, you're not going to be able to grow your vlog. And if you if you guys were doing that right from the beginning, I mean that that can account for a ton of growth right there as well. I'm not sure, but we're talking about keyword research and figuring out what those keywords are and putting them in your titles. So when people like they search, they come up. Um, what, what do you guys use for keyword research? How do you, how do you figure out what those titles should be? Is it based on your destination? Do you, do you take a destination and say, okay, what are the most successful videos in this destination? What can we do around this? Or how, how do you approach that? We usually don't get that serious because from the beginning, this has been more about the travel journey than creating a YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is kind of like secondary to us wanting to, go travel. But, and so like, it's not like we do keyword research and we go do like whatever the highest ranking thing is, but we just like, okay, we want to do, but you try to be smart about it. sounds like exactly like, like what's the big attraction in this city that people might be searching for if they were going to come here on a vacation or, you know, like we've learned that food videos do well and we've learned that for some reason riding on trains do well. So we try to do that <laughs> really? a little bit. Normally yeah. would. Like you just kind of like the more you do it, you just kind of like learn what people like and, and start to yeah. not, I mean, I, I don't think you ever want to like just try to do what your audience wants because if you're not passionate about it, that'll come through and nobody wants to watch that. But if you can kind of like add a little more of what your audience likes into what you're passionate about, then I think probably the best mix. I agree. I think you're talking about the intersection of that. Basically, you're taking your passions and your interests and saying, okay, we're, we're not going to go in just a totally random direction. We're going to have a little bit of strategy with this, which is really smart because that's the reality of the internet. People search for things and that's how they can find your videos. So it's also, um, if you, you guys know your videos are inspiring people to travel. So the more people that are watching it, the more people that you're helping to get out there and get excited about it. All right. Let's talk about the trifecta of lighting, sound, and we already covered editing, I suppose, but we can talk about software and, and all that stuff. We don't have to get too geeky on this. And if you guys have a link where you have all of the equipment that you use or something on your blog, you can shoot it to me and we can put that up with the show notes. But uh, let's hear just some of the basic equipment that you use to capture video, capture sounds and all that good stuff. So our main setup now is the Sony A6500, and we have the Rode Video Micro, so it's just a small mic that sits on top of it, and then we have a Zhiyun gimbal that keeps the shots smooth. So that's what we shoot 90% uh, of all of our videos on, and then with that, we have a wide-angle lens that's uh, 10 to 18, and then we have a longer zoom lens that's an 18 to 105. Okay, there's all the tech. Stuff. But but you but you don't you don't need that to start for the first year we were we had a little a bendy tripod and oh a 
point and shoot Canon G7X. But yeah, we used it for a whole year. Didn't even think about using anything else for a whole year. And that's the foundation of our YouTube channel. So you really don't need the fancy stuff to start a vlog. But I still really like that camera. I keep it in my purse or my pocket and we call it the Cam now because we, we actually have really different creative styles. styles. And we found that if I can have a camera like on me so I can have a little bit of input on what we film. I'm a lot happier throughout the day and I'm not just begging Nate to film certain things that he doesn't really see fit. Um, so I feel like that's really helped if, if in just how we get along throughout the day when we're trying to capture what we're doing is I pull out my camera and film whatever I want. <laughs> if it was up to Kara, our vlogs would be like us talking to the camera and just like going out and like kind of goofing around and having fun. There'd be a lot of personality in the videos. But if it was up to me, it would be like all cinematic B-roll with music behind mm -hmm. it. And so our videos are like an intersection of both of our creative personalities, which yeah, I think which works. Good. And we know in the end it's up to Kara. I mean, let's face it. She's exactly. she's editing these things, man. I'm you got no control. She's going to put in whatever <laughs> shot she wants. No. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, it's, it sounds like you guys have really found a way to make this work in terms of making it a collaborative effort. Let me ask one more tech question. What do you use for editing? What software do you guys use? Premiere Pro. Okay. And are there any other important software tools or anything like that that are a core part of your vlogging business? No, I don't think so. Well, we use Epidemic Sound for our music, which was totally life-changing for me. Like that was my least favorite part of editing was finding music because I was really picky about music and I would get all these copyright infringement notifications on YouTube and sometimes the volume would just totally disappear because I used the wrong song. It was a mess. So that's the only other thing that I use on a regular basis besides Premiere Pro. So they have really good music. You can pay $15 a month to get a YouTube license and you can use, I don't Any know, like a million songs in your videos and you never have to worry about having copyright what issues. What was the name of the site? It's Epidemic Sound. Okay, cool. Uh, any other resources you guys want to share? I mean, we'll put the link to your blog and everything with all this other stuff, but um, before we move on. I'm not editing or vlogging related. Okay. What about your course? <laughs> there you go. There yeah. we go. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Let's hear about your course. Well, I basically, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, like we said, and taught myself and it was really hard. And like, I watched a lot of YouTube tutorials and all I wanted to do was sit down next to somebody who knew what they were doing and watch them and just see like their workflow. Cause even if you watch tutorials on how to do certain things, it's still kind of hard to put all the puzzle pieces together to make a vlog. Like there's a lot of steps. And now that I've made 515 <laughs> to date, I thought that I, I had a pretty good workflow going and I thought I would put together a tutorial to kind of show each step, like from the very beginning, like we went out and filmed like a mini vlog together and then the whole course is me going through each video one by one and showing how I put it all into one vlog. And I give everybody those videos. And so you can kind of go through like literally step by step, like exactly what I wanted to do with somebody to make a video like ours. 
So it's how I edit videos. It's not how everyone should edit videos. <laughs> I'm sure people that watch your videos, of course, they're also, they love what you guys are doing and how you put them together. So, and, and I know your course was part of our Paradise Pack this year. So I want to thank you for that. And if you believe in Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule, I guess vlogging is a good way to get there in terms of uh, skills and video and all that, right? <laughs> what are some of the biggest mistakes to avoid for somebody just starting out or maybe partway through and they're not getting the traction that you guys have? We talked about titles in the beginning, and I said almost from the beginning we were using keywords. <laughs> in the very beginning, we thought we were Casey Neistat, and so we were using these like clickbait titles. And then we realized that if nobody like cares about you and has this personal <laughs> relationship, then nobody's going to click on a clickbait title. Like, people don't just see random clickbait titles on the internet and, yeah. and click on it. Yeah, so instead of calling something best day ever, we would say like street market in Chiang Mai, you know, like not anything crazy, but something that people know what it's about. Right. I think that's really important. Being more direct instead of yeah. vague. Yeah. That makes I sense. I think also a lot of people in the beginning fall into the trap of trying to do what's popular on YouTube. You know, so there's always these like fads of, I don't know, just these kind of uh, gimmicky things that people will do to put on their channel because they think, you know, maybe that it'll help the video go viral or something. But you, you really have to stay true to yourself and you have to be doing something that you're passionate about. Cause I think I said that earlier, your passion will really show through people on YouTube can really sniff out fakers. Mm -hmm. I think it's it really, really cheesy, but it's really been true for us. It's really hard to act. Yeah. Maybe we're just bad actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's something I love about podcasting and vlogging as I've been watching you guys and your videos and some other ones. Just when you when you do it so much and you have so much content out there, y you are who you are, right? There's only so... You can't hide behind hundreds of hours of, of either video or audio. It is, it is who you are. So um, I can imagine that it's pretty easy to, to kind of pick up on that inauthenticity, I guess we would say, especially in video. I, I had a question about drone shots because everybody loves a good drone shot. Do you guys travel with a drone? We yes. do. We didn't for the first year, so it's not necessary um, to a YouTube channel. But for the past year and a half, we've been traveling with the DJI Mavic. It seems like it's almost necessary now because every travel video I see pretty much has drone shots. Do you... How does that work? Are there certain laws you have to follow in each country? I have no idea. This I sound like such a moron because I literally have no idea how these drones work. No, I, I think that's a very valid question and one that I still have. So we travel extremely quickly. We've been to almost 70 countries in the last two and a half years, like since we started traveling full time. And so we're moving very quickly. So we don't have time to like really figure out all of the laws in all of the countries. We definitely don't have time to go get permits. So my strategy with flying a drone is try to be responsible, not fly it over people, and then try to do it in places that are where I can be discreet. Like I don't, you know, like a, I see a lot of people going, You're not gonna go in like, downtown Rome and just launch your drone over the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah. Like people get to like this lookout, like a lookout point where all the other tourists are congregated and they'll stand right in the middle of everybody and put their drone up. And one, that's super annoying for everybody because they have to listen to it. And yeah. two, if you were going to get in trouble, that's a great way to You're attract right attention to yourself. Those are all great tips. Yeah. You're just, and you guys are traveling fast. How do you like traveling that quickly? Is it tough with the work? Well, 
it is tough. We have this goal of going to 100 countries before Nate turns 30. And so when we first started traveling, we only had one year, or we thought we only had one year. We were like, oh, we have to see as much as possible. We only have this one year. So that kind of set the pace for us. And it was fun. We were energized. And I wasn't taking nearly as long to edit because we just had this whole point shoot. And then we kind of slowed down a bit when we decided that it was going to be more of a long-term thing and we wanted to do a hundred countries and now we're probably going slower than ever um i don't know we're we're taking longer to edit <laughs> and we as, really as kara's saying this she's like kind of leaning back she i think she's about to <laughs> put her hands behind her head maybe grab a beer i don't <laughs> i could just see you get all relaxed that was great well, but at the, at the same at the same time i think that's been one of the things that's helped our channel grow is because mm-hmm. we are constantly traveling to new places it keeps the content fresh yeah. so it gets a little tiring for us at times but at the same time i think it's really good for the vlog because there's always fresh content nate with this 100 country goal how did you come up with that like when did that become a thing for you So this was about the same time that about six months into our first year of full-time travel. uh, When we decided we wanted to turn the YouTube channel into more of a business, we decided that we needed some kind of tagline catchphrase. I just read uh, Chris Guillebeau's book, The Happiness of Pursuit, and he was talking about quest and how, you know, whatever you're doing, you should form it into a quest. And so that was kind of like the question is, what should our quest be? And I just liked, I I love having goals. We sat down and we, all the countries we wanted to visit, it was really close to a hundred countries. And I thought that sounded like a really fun goal to shoot for. And so kind of like we did when we decided we were going to start traveling full time, we just started telling people. (laughs) So we started telling people we're going to travel full time. And the next thing you knew, we were like, we're going to a hundred countries. And so that kind of uh, kept us committed to that goal. We think it's been good for our channel too. Like people feeling like they're going towards a goal with us and we're not just going around to places for no reason. Like, I don't think we'd be doing anything else differently. We'd probably be moving a little bit slower, but I think it's fun when people feel like they're on a journey with you and it's not just like, Oh, how long are they going to be traveling? What are they really doing? And it's fun to do it that way. But we also really enjoy being able to tell people what we're doing in one sentence. Like we're not just, lollygagging. <laughs> well, it was, it was a bit strategic because if you want to tell your friends about our channel, then you say, I'm following this couple who's on a mission to travel to 100 countries. And it's a pretty easy sell. Yeah. It's pretty interesting that the closer you get to 100, the more you slow your travels down. Are you trying to... I, I think we just don't want to see it. Yeah. I think yeah. subconsciously or consciously, I don't know, but... Either way, slowing way down. You're like, hey, we're going to live in Italy for three years. Okay. We're stuck at 77 for a while or wherever you're at, but stuck. I'm using an air quotes. Um, you guys have mentioned Casey Neistat a couple times and you just won a huge award. Congratulations. You got to meet your hero, right? Can you talk about, just talk about that award? Don't be shy because I asked you about it. Just talk about what that was like for you guys and meeting him. It was crazy. It was totally crazy. Congrats. So for the people who don't know, the Shorty Awards are, I guess the best way to explain it is kind of like the Oscars for online content creators. And there's a bunch of different categories. We were nominated in travel, which totally came we out so of shocked. out of the blue. And then we were even more shocked when we made it to be finalists. And then we were questioning whether or not we were even going to go because there were so many other people, or there were six other people who were nominated with us as finalists. And I think all of them had substantially larger channels than we did. 
and we were in Bali at the time. And we were like, well, do we really want to fly back to the other side of the world? And then that that night, so we, we did end up flying back to New York. And then that night we heard that we were standing in line waiting to go in. And we had heard that other people knew that they already won. And so we were like, well, we, 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 I guess we didn't win, but you know, this has been a fun experience because we're getting to like meet a lot of these people that we've seen online. And then if you want to see like the most shocked and surprised faces (laughs) ever, like just true genuine shock, then they can go watch our shorty award video because we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah. It was so much fun. And then meeting Casey, you guys got to chat with him, right? Um, what was that like? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I knew he was going to be there. And he really, truly is the reason that yeah. vlogging, like I even knew what it was. And so still watch him. And I'm very inspired by him. And Nate spotted him across the room right before the awards started. And I just couldn't stop myself. Like I just started walking towards him. And I'm like, Casey, and like all the people you see on the vlog who are yelling his name. So I was that annoying girl. But I gave him a hug and I was just like, you're the reason that we're here. Cause he really was. And of course he was super nice and he was like, Oh, congrats guys. And we really didn't talk much, but we wanted to thank him for really inspiring us and really giving him a lot of credit for what we're doing. Well, I want to have awesome. you guys on the show cause you've inspired me and I've been following your journey for a while and I mean, everybody's listening has heard where you started off from just, you know, having this first vlog and you weren't even sure if you were going to do it. And the trip was just going to be a year and you saved up all the money and did all the hard work to now, you know, how far you've come and how much content, not just content you've created, but videos that have inspired other people and, and to get out there and explore. It's uh, it's not to Vespa tours and who knows what else is going to happen in the future. It's 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 really exciting. So I just want to say congratulations to you guys. Um, and it's been really cool following a journey and I look forward to continuing to do so. I have a couple more questions before I let you go. And I wanted to get some couples advice because the whole <laughs> working together thing, like you said, you've had to hash some things out. Do you have any top line advice for any other couples or friends or anybody that want to collaborate in that way? And they're going to be together all the time because that's a different this is a different animal. If And I've done this before, so I know. I can speak from experience. But if you've never done this before, and you guys know, because I see your eyes. We're looking at each other. I see, I see what's going on here. It's not the same as you living in a home and being a business partner with your spouse or your friend or whatever, because you can get away. But when you're traveling together, you're together all the time, and then you're in small places all the time, too. And you have the rigors of the road. So it is different. What advice do you have for people? I'm not trying to scare people off. I'm just saying, you know, it can get real. It can get real pretty fast. Yeah. I, I think you should go into it with the mindset of you're going to fight more than ever before and know that that's okay. Because when you're traveling, you're tired more often, you're hungry more often, you're lost more often. And all of those things are a recipe for fights or disagreements. Yes. And I think you learn pretty quickly to productively fight and what yeah. things are worth arguing over and what things aren't. Yeah. I never thought that we would be working together like in a million years because I was a nanny and Nate was an entrepreneur and like we had, we never, you know, had to deal with the things that we deal with now, the decisions that we make together constantly. I mean, we wake up and have to start making decisions and that's the root of a lot of fights is, you know, if one person wants to do one thing, another, whether it be what we're going to eat for breakfast that day or what's going to go in the vlog or where we're going to travel to and, I mean, it's a lot. And I think 
I don't know if this is really good advice, but I think having roles is important when you kind of, I feel like at the beginning, before we settled into like what works for me and what works for Nate, that's why we fought a lot. Cause I would try to film something or Nate would try to have a say in the edit. And it was just kind of like, uh, we were kind of disagreeing when we didn't have to. Whereas if Nate focuses on what he's good at and I focus on what I'm good at, then we both work together a lot more smoothly. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned falling into those roles after a while. And I think that's part of the process, right? Is not, you can try to outline some things in the beginning. I think that'd be a great idea, but it sounds like you also, there are things that happen along the way that you have to readjust. And um, that happens with any business, really. But then you have the, the relationship as well. Kara, that's interesting that because Nate, you had the idea to be an entrepreneur, but you didn't really have that, Kara. You, you were going in another direction. So, how how has that been for you? Because I think this is valuable to hear from somebody who I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that have thought about, maybe I'll do this location independent entrepreneurship thing, but I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur. I don't know if that's me. I don't really feel like that, that I'm someone that can do that. Talk to me about your experience and what that's been like and what kind of advice you'd give to that person. Yeah. Well, it helps being married to somebody who's super entrepreneurial. (laughs) I really don't know if I could do it on my own. Like Nate, I mean, even though we talk about how college, you know, may or may not have helped, I think Nate is using a lot of skills that he's learned from college, just ideas and things that I would never even think of, like building an email list. Like I would probably not even have an email if it wasn't for Nate. And so a lot of it, I just kind of piggyback on Nate's ideas. And he really pushes me to do things like create my course. Like I didn't really think that People would want to know how I edit. Like I wasn't really competent in that way, but Nate's kind of pushed me to put that out there. And it's really been a process for me because it's not my strength. But I think us as a team, it's been really cool to learn. I do. I love I love the freedom of what we do right now because we really can, you know, if we put our minds to it, do whatever we want right now. And I don't know if we ever would have had that feeling like back home, if we never would have left, we've just grown so much as people and as travelers. And it's been a really cool experience that I never thought we would ever go through. To be fair, you have said you can never go back to the real work world because (laughs) you would have to wear clothes when you were working and you wouldn't be able to just sit in bed with a cup of coffee and do your work. (laughs) That's where the majority of the editing happens. I think the secret superpower of entrepreneurship is self-development when it comes down to it. You learn so much about yourself when you challenge yourself in that way. It's uh, it's surprising, I think, what you can learn. No, that's great advice. And if you can't marry an entrepreneur, then you can always find a mentor or find somebody to model that, that you can get advice from, certainly. How has travel changed your relationship? I think we've become a lot better at disagreeing and having something productive come out of it. Because before we left to travel, we rarely fought. Like we were the couple in the friend group that people like made fun of, but were not fighting. Mm -hmm. But then that quickly changed when we hit the road. And now we've we've learned to disagree and then come out on the other side of it better for it. We've really had to learn how to disagree because it isn't something that we did much before. And now it's either deal with it or like, be mad at each other in the same room because <laughs> nobody's going anywhere. So we've been kind of forced to deal with, I mean, nothing major, but any kind of disagreement, we we had to work through that. And I think that we've gotten really good at it. 
Well, and I think another big like positive change travel has had for us, for our relationship has been that we've both been able to like grow together through this experience. So all of the things that you're exposed to on the road kind of like shift your mindset about how many possessions you need, about money, about all of these things. And because we've been together every day for the past two and a half years, we've been having these same experiences and we're kind of like, I think becoming more of a, we have more similar mindsets than we did when we were both kind of like living separate Mm -hmm. work lives away from each other for eight to 10 hours every day. And as individuals, what do you think traveling has done for you? If you think back to two and a half years ago, who you were that day you left, think back to making that video and when you guys were getting on the plane and you were looking for your Airbnb in Tokyo, I think (laughs) Think back to, to who you were then and who you are now. What, what, what has it done for you? I think I do have a lot more confidence that like whatever I set my mind to, I can go out and accomplish because up until we left to travel, I was still kind of like figuring that out. And now we're sitting here in Italy with a lot of freedom because we've worked hard for the past two and a half years. Um, but also just kind of, I guess, on a more deeper level, I feel like we've become a, a lot or as, this is supposed to be individual. I've become a lot more open minded um, and probably quite a bit more compassionate since Mm. we started traveling. It was easy to kind of like put everybody in a box, you know, like these people go in this box, these people go in this box, but you go out and you meet people from all of these different cultures and you realize that we're all a lot more similar. We all have very similar values, although it might not look like it on the surface. Like once you boil it down, we all have similar values. And now, you know, instead of pointing a finger or assuming something immediately, kind of stepping back and thinking why that person is, you know, whatever it is, like why they're acting the way they are or the situation that they're in. I feel like I'm just rambling now. (laughs) Just, just uh, thinking about things on a deeper level in that way. And like, you know, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, I guess, in in, in a way that's different that you wouldn't have done before traveling. Is that sort of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Kara, how about you? Before, we left, I thought I was pretty open-minded and accepting of other people and cultures. And there are places in the world that I never thought I would want to go, much less enjoy. And in the last few months, we've gone to some of those places, like specifically in the Middle East, where, I don't know, two and a half years ago, I've been like, no way, like I'm not going there. And now they're in my top favorite countries in the whole world because of the people and the culture and the food. And I just can't even, it, it's hard to even think about how I was before. And like I said, I thought I was pretty open-minded, but like as soon as you step foot in a place that you never thought you would go and it's just so polar opposite of what you thought it was going to be. Like that's a really cool feeling that you don't just get in everyday life, you know? And I think the other big thing like the other big difference in the me now and the me then is when I would get home from work, like we would make dinner and we would watch TV until we went to bed. And it was, that was pretty much our routine on an average day. And now we get up and we work on our computers for four hours and then we go film something and then we come back and work on our computers for four more hours. And majority of nights I fall asleep with my computer in my lap. And I never thought that I could have that life and enjoy it. Like no matter what the work is, but like working as soon as you wake up and then working (laughs) 
while you go to sleep. But I love it. Like, I love how we haven't caught up on any of our shows that we watched two and a half years ago. I also look forward to catching up on all of those one day. (laughs) But I never thought that I would be the one that every spare moment I'm like, oh, I need to work. Because it's so much fun for us. And like I said before, it enables us to have this life that we love. And it is exciting to create something and then have a finished product, right? There's something satisfying about that process, that creative process. Two last things, actually, because uh, it would be crazy for me not to ask you what some of your favorite places are because you guys have been so many places. I'm not going to ask you what your favorite country is or whatever because that's a stupid question. But sorry to everybody that's ever asked that, but it's, it's really not a good question. But I will ask you to just highlight maybe a few of your, your favorite destinations and what you liked about them. And, and maybe maybe go to those destinations that are the less common ones that surprised you in some way. Okay. I think for me, like probably my top experience from the past two and a half years came in our first year of travel and it was trekking to Everest Base Camp. It was 15 days round trip through the Himalayas, getting to interact with people in all of these small villages as you're trekking up. Plus, it was this like physical test of of stamina. And to do that together was was a lot of fun and really special. Yeah, that was not on my bucket list. And I was (laughs) looking forward to it. But I have to agree with Nate. That turned into one of the most rewarding and coolest experiences of our lives. Um, The first thing that came to my mind, I don't know if this is super off the beaten path, but we went to the Uyuni Salt Flats in Bolivia last year. And it's probably just the craziest looking thing we've ever experienced. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's like this giant salt flat that looks like a huge mirror. And we just drove on it for hours and... That's probably one of the coolest places we've been. Um, the Galapagos is another huge highlight for us. We spent a week on a boat in the Galapagos. And the highlight of that entire trip was the day we got to go snorkeling with a colony of sea lions. So it was us and a hundred sea lions that are just like puppy dogs in the water. And they're just all swimming up, checking you out. And so that was like, without a doubt, one of the coolest. And then I I would say the country that surprised me the most was Oman. It's somewhere that I never, like, why would you ever go there kind of place for me. And we got there and the people are the most hospitable people we've ever met. So kind would go out of their way to make you feel welcome. And you can actually camp like anywhere in the country, like get in a van and drive somewhere and decide that it's your campsite. Maybe do some research on that before you just go camp (laughs) anywhere, but it seems like pretty free. I was just adding it to my bucket list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you should. We, so we didn't spend nearly enough time there because I didn't know how much I was going to love it, but we talked to some people there who had been camping and a family just came up to them and brought them dinner from their home and invited them into their home and just things like that. We, we heard story after story of people just like that. And it's somewhere that I really want to go back to. So it went from somewhere I never wanted to go to. I can't wait to go back. I do have one last question because you guys are coffee drinkers like I am. And I want to know where the best cup of coffee that you've had so far as you're holding up your coffee now. Where in the world has been your top cup of coffee or one of your top cups of coffee? There's so many. I think for me, it was in Chiang Mai. And I don't know if it was actually the best coffee that we've ever had, but it was definitely the best overall coffee experience that we've ever had. Because we showed up at this little coffee shop. This man had come down out of the mountains with his beans, and he was roasting the beans in this homemade 
roaster over an open fire and then sat there, cooled them on this big thing made out of like bamboo in front of us and then ground up to coffee. And we got to drink just this like incredibly fresh, delicious coffee that came straight out of the mountains. And the farmer was like a hundred years old. <laughs> super adorable. Oh, can't beat that. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to just share your story and all of your knowledge around vlogging and everything else that you've shared today. Uh, do you want to share a couple links or I, I guess your main hub is com. Am I missing anything? Or if you, if you want to add, please go ahead. Sure. You can find us on our website, com, or probably where most people find us is just on YouTube. And it's just forward, youtube.com forward slash Karen Nate. We're currently 77 countries into this hundred country journey. So if you want to, you can catch up on the last 77 or you can follow us to our uh, next 23. But if you do go back to the beginning, remember, we had no clue what we were doing. Cut <laughs> us some slack on the first videos. Well, enjoy the ride, guys. And come to Norway, please. I'll take you to some good coffee spots. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks again. We'll chat soon. Thanks for having us. All right, cheers. There you go, my friend. Hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with Kara and Nate. Thanks again to them for stopping by and sharing all of their expertise around vlogging and their stories from two plus years of full-time travel. Got a couple quotes to leave you with in just a second from somebody that was mentioned a few times in this show. First, wanted to remind you to go to zerototravel.com slash easy if you want the easiest, best way to learn a language on the go check out the Pimsleur Audio Language Learning Courses. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy will get you that free seven-day trial for their monthly subscription service or a free lesson if you're outside of the States right now. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy if you want to start speaking a new language right away or just level up in the language you are learning right now. ZeroToTravel.com slash easy. Hands down, my favorite way to learn a language on the go. I love listening to audio courses in Pimsleur. They have the best ones. So grab that link and check them out for free and see what you think and let me know. And of course, thanks to Pimsleur for supporting this show. And if you go through that link, you'll also be supporting this show. So I thank you very much for that. Now, let me leave you with a few quotes, a couple quotes here from Casey Neistat, who was somebody that came up in this interview a few times. And he's got some great quotes here. The first one is, overthinking the process will kill any career in the creative space. You just have to do, not think. I love that quote. It's so true because it's so easy to get in our own heads about what people think about us and what we think about our work and it not being perfect. And you know, Casey didn't come out of the gates being this incredible filmmaker. He just worked hard and got better and better and better. Of course, he's insanely talented, but you have that learning process and that's a creative endeavor. And if you're thinking too much about it, things will never get published. I can tell you from my own personal experience, I wouldn't have never published any podcast if... I got into my own head and overthought it because it's just too much to process. So if you're doing some creative work, there's some motivation for you to put it out there to the world so we can check it out because we need you, my friend. And the second quote, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. Thanks again for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. Cheers. 
This podcast has been brought to you by zerototravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 